Today's guest on the podcast is Portuguese big wave surfing legend Joao de Macedo. In addition to being a Hellman charger, Joao is an intellectual who balances big wave surfing with running his chain of surf schools, speech making, and his Save the Waves conservation work. We talk about a variety of areas in big wave surfing and focus on the continuing debate of toe versus paddle. Joao does both, but is always striving to paddle into the biggest waves ever ridden at Nazare. A very interesting conversation with one of the sport's most respected surfers. Please enjoy it. And if you do, subscribe, turn on notifications, and be sure not to miss the next episode when it drops. Today's podcast is brought to you by The Edge, online English video lessons. English for surfers, taught by surfers. If you are a traveling surfer and also a second language English speaker, we can help you. Perhaps you want to improve your English communication skills, learn how to respond in an after heat interview, make a speech, or learn what English to say in your next surf video edit. The Edge uses innovative real-time analysis software to analyze your speaking and provide you with video feedback to your own cloud space, private and secure. Contact us for a free trial lesson using the email link in the show notes. Okay, on with the podcast. Joao, welcome to the Big Wave Surfing podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ian. It's great to be here. I know you've just been rushing back from the beach. Did you have a, a surf lesson in your school this morning? Yeah, we've uh, been getting back to surfing here in Portugal. And um, it's been, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's just really excited. And um, I had a student uh, of mine actually coming from Germany, and I was setting him up with one of our coaches. And so I just got a little bit delayed. The conditions are a little tricky, but it's it's exactly what I love. It's just uh, when people uh, just go out there, regardless of the conditions, I think it's when you can learn a lot. So, yeah, the school is still going, and um, it's uh, yeah. So give cool you, give your school connected. a bit of a plug. What's it, what's it called? Uh, it's called Surf Academia, and then it it's it's a, a older school. I've gone through many iterations, but it's Surf Academia in my name. So Surf Academia Jomasil. Right. Okay. Great. Yeah. And um, we have licenses all around the Great Lisbon area. You know, Praia Grande is my home beach. Um, and then uh, we, we got Carcavelos is, uh, is where I was this morning. It's a 40-minute drive from here. And then Costa de Caparica is on the other side of the bridge uh, from Lisbon. So they're kind of like the main beaches, beach break beaches. So they're... It's great for learning, and uh, I mean, they have their they have their a days for sure. Yeah, and do you teach big wave surfing? I don't. I don't. I mean, um, I try to create a good foundation for that, but um, that's a great question because I don't think you know big wave surfing is one of those things that it's it's at such a uh, you know at, at a very high level. It becomes something that is not really taught uh, per se. Um, and I think it's a, because of the danger factor, it's something that's a little bit dangerous, um, you know, not to sound too repetitive, but that's, that's it, um, to be actually teaching. So to teach someone 
to take so many risks is something that it has to really come from within because then it, it, it's, you have to take full responsibility for your actions. So, I mean, I have a lot of stuff that I do in my preparation, you know, so the way that I prepare and, and I pass that on, you know, younger surfers, if they, or, you know, um, adults or, you know, if they ask me, so I, I kind of direct them to, um, you know, for example, my underwater uh, trainer, Wave Crusher System, uh, he's a dear friend. And so if someone comes to me, oh, I really want to catch big waves. So, okay, let's see how you're going to do in the swimming pool and training some apnea. So come back to me in three months and still see if you really want to still catch big waves. And so, and you know, and so there, there are all these steps that all of us as big wave surfers kind of went through. And so sometimes this teaching component or the coaching it does accelerate learning, but I think in big waves, we just have to be a bit careful to not accelerate things which can't be accelerated, if, if, that, if that makes sense, you know? Yes, yeah. And I, I mean, I've got a couple of schools myself, and um, yeah, the, I wouldn't uh, want to think about the insurance premiums for teaching people big wave surfing, actually. They'd probably rock it, wouldn't it? <laughs> Skyrocket. Oh no, just the responsibility. And if there are kids, you know, oh, what? You're going to take my child into these like really radical conditions. It's just something that you don't. One thing is to push their limits up to a certain point, And that I believe, you know, big wave surfing also has an incremental approach, you know, just like tech, technical uh, surfing. So you got to learn your foundations, then you get better, you know, you improve your moves or uh, your wave knowledge, you know. So there are all these uh steps right and big wave surfing you can't just show up and if you're used to riding four foot waves and suddenly ride a 20 footer let alone a 25 footer and not be completely overwhelmed terrorized and um probably make a tremendous mistake get into panic drown and then you know get into really big trouble yeah yeah i i got your point there well what hey let's go back when i was doing some research on you um I found out you weren't actually born in Portugal. You're you're from America originally. Tell me about that. I'm a mixed a mixed batch, right? I'm definitely. I believe in the mixed ones. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, my story. I guess uh, my sister and myself. We were born on the East Coast. So my father is uh, is an academic. Uh, his father was an academic, and um, he went to do his doctorate in uh, Yale University. And then he got a position as an assistant professor in Princeton. So, you know, kind of the cream of the crop of universities in the U.S. And um, yeah, so that was, I mean, in retrospect, it's one of those things that uh, it, it, it's just the, the cars that you're dealt with. And I feel super blessed and lucky that I have, I had the option to then go back to the U.S. and to live in California and to have, you know, the ability to work and, and do all those things. And, you know, America is a really complex country, to say the least. And uh, there's some amazing people, some very creative people. And then there's, you know, the famous uh, presidents who just embarrass most Americans, I would say. But um, it, it, there's a really special spirit there and a, and a very kind of... Um, on the one hand, aggressive, but uh, 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 an interesting culture that uh, clashes a little bit with kind of the more mellow European approach. And, and that was something that um, it was great to have the opportunity to go back because I was so disappointed with, you know, U.S. foreign policy or how aggressive the corporations are. You know, there's just all so many things that are, are wrong 
in my opinion, you know, and, and uh, uh, then to see how people actually live in America, I think was something very important to me and to see the effort and, and the merit and how people believe in, in what they say, you know, about if you really try hard and work hard, you, you're going to make it. Right. And you talked about your family being a, coming from an academic background. You, I mean, you carried that on because I know that you, you have a degree in economy, is it? And a master's in sports management. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's allowed you to get into various other projects as well as big wave surfing. And maybe later in the interview, I want to come back to that and talk about some of the projects you're involved in. But, but, but for the moment, um, I mean, you, you've got an impressive uh, CV as a big wave contest surfer and uh, XXL nominations and wins. But my question is, what is big wave surfing really about for you? What does it really mean? It's, yeah, that's a really charged question. Um, I guess, I mean, big wave surfing really is the, the apex of, of my life. I mean, obviously my son and, and having the opportunity to be a father, I think is something that we all share as being tremendous uh, life-changing moments, but uh, big wave surfing has been that moment professionally and personally. And really, I mean, and I've come to become more comfortable to say this and spiritually. And uh, so I, I believe that big wave surfing really is a, a bit of a portal, you know, it's a, it's an entryway into, um, you know, a broader understanding of nature and, and how violent it is on the one hand, but also how amazing and, and beautiful uh, it is too. And so I think um, because of the danger and because of the amount of training that you have to do to be acclimated to big surf, uh, it's just something that um, it's, it's full immersion. And uh, so big wave surfing has this competitive side, which helped my career. And, and I'm very grateful to, you know, to contests. Uh, and uh, it was funny because when when we were chatting a little bit beforehand, when we were kind of preparing a little bit for, for today, um, we had a, a great kind of uh, discussion around, you know, are contests good or bad? Or why do some competitive surfers have, you know, this mindset that uh, ends up, you know, being, um, and that's the, the issue that I don't think sometimes is the highest of, of what we can be as human beings, you know, this very aggressive kind of defeat everyone kind of, attitude um but contests make you try harder and so that's why even in my junior career um i didn't like contests and i already had some sponsors but i'd, I'd always make an effort to go to them and i learned a lot I, I really improved my skills you know i paddled harder uh you know i tried harder so when it's all said and done um once you kind of extract yourself i guess from the result in itself it's good that contest exists, these gatherings and, and the, the, these get togethers. And so I think big wave surfing kind of has this tension also. So for me personally, I live a bit of that. I live that part of the contest, the big show, you know, is it show off, isn't it? Uh, you know, all of that. And then this very kind of personal thing um, when you have some sessions that you or you're by yourself or you're just with a few mates, and you're just challenging yourself and you're out in the middle of the ocean. And, and it's, uh, it's a really amazing uh, opportunity as a surfer to, to have access to that. Yes. It seems to me that every, every big wave surfer that I'm talking to always comes back to the, to the point of uh, it has a spiritual aspect to it. 
Um, is, that, is that just, why well, only you touched on it, but is that because it is, it, you could die, it's a life-threatening sport. So does that bring you closer to your own, not necessarily religious, but your own spirituality, whatever that is, you know? Yeah, I think it, it just brings out, um, you know, because I think religion, right, the way, I mean, religion seems to be organized, spirituality, right? So it's kind of a bit more formatted. And I think it's very helpful and, and I respect all religions, but there's a certain sense of uh, these rules and the way that you have to, you know, see God within a certain framework or, you know, and um, spirituality or the way that, you know, you can be in nature and know that there's, greater forces at work and that you feel this humbleness, which I think is very important um, for us, even as humans, is just something that occurs naturally. I, I don't think so much because of the life danger, you know, like, so you don't, you're not thinking what's going to happen to me if I die. I think it's just the awe that you have in terms of something so much more powerful and greater than yourself. And so um, I think sometimes in urban lives or in the cities, you know, maybe sometimes people lose a little bit of touch with that, you know, so it's just a big building that was man made. And so I want to get to the top of that building and be, you know, the king of the castle or, you know, and so the air in nature, is just raw. It's just something that's moving. It's vicious. It's super dangerous. And at the same time, if you can actually have fun in this environment, it's just something that is very, um, it's a special connection and, and you feel something that is just a bit greater than yourself. And, and I think that for me is a little bit what spirituality I think um, is. Yeah. Now with my own training, um, like, like you guys, I, I do some meditation. I do a lot of breathing training. Of course you're doing it on a much uh, more advanced level than I am, but you go to a point in meditation and breathing where you go so deep, it's also, it almost becomes spiritual. You go deep into yourself in order to hold your breath that little bit longer or to meditate, to go to that happy place or whatever. Do you think that's part of it as well? You know, do you, do you understand where I'm coming from when I say that? Because you really push deep into yourself when you're doing the breathing and you're doing the meditation. And does that sort of, roll over into the to the to the soul side of it the spiritual side of it oh definitely definitely i i think um yeah because it becomes a necessity to tap into that then it becomes natural to to you know to have access to to it um if that i mean i guess it's it it, it that's the beauty of it it's hard to kind of put in words and and sometimes when we try to uh, rationalize it or explain it, it, it becomes something that loses a little bit of its, of its magic. But I think meditation, breathing, all of that are, again, there are kind of these gateways into this quieter place, into, into kind of like your individuality within a broader kind of, you know, planetary or, you know, kind of uh, uh, way of, of seeing things. And that's for me is because big wave surf, I, I wasn't into breathing when I was, you know, even at the start of like my, uh, you know, surfing and, and 
but because of big wave surfing and because of this issue that you want to improve your lung capacity and all that, then it helped me uh, get more serious and, and more understanding about it. And then it actually opened all these other kind of um, doors in terms of seeing exactly what you're saying, that how breathing and meditating actually is a spiritual activity, and but it's very physical too. And that's what I think surfing and that's why I say that, um, you know, I have, I'm a little bit suspicious of just organized religion because then the individual experience, it feels a little bit imposed unless, mm. I mean, there are like meditation circles or people when they sing, but you know, I think that's the thing. It's like, you can't impose spirituality. Someone has to get it on their own terms and, uh, and figure out their own formula. I think there's obviously guidelines and all that, but, uh, but yeah, so breathing is something very simple. You, you do it and then no one's going to tell you within your meditation, you know, go left or go right. It's, it's, then it's up to you. You can just kind of like follow some guidelines about breathing and, um, and, then, and, then, uh, and then experience it. Yeah, and you, you, after, after a breathing session, you feel so serene, so calm. You feel, you feel really good, don't you? But after it, we were saying, God, we feel, I, I feel really good. And you say, yeah, yeah, me too, you know? So, so I, you know, there's, there is this humbleness of big wave surfers that you, you guys have this humbleness, probably because you understand, and then correct me if anything I say is wrong, but you, you know you can't control nature. It always has control over you. The ocean has control over you. It'll decide when it lets you go, when it lets you up, etc. And I guess this brings out humbleness, yeah? And... What I was going to lead into there, being humble, we started talking about contests. Let's go down that road. Um, humble people surfing competitively against each other. Is there some sort of contradiction there? Uh, or, or can you switch into beast mode and switch off beast mode and switch on humble mode? You know where I'm coming from? Like, in, yeah. Is there a place for contest surfing in big waves? That makes a lot of sense because, you know, I think there would be a lot of people who would, um, you know, kind of uh, relate to what you're saying in terms of it's not possible. Um, and it really is. And, and even in big wave surfing that there's a camaraderie, you know, there is a real concern about, um, you know, your friends are, are in danger. So, I mean, you know, if you see a guy wipe out maybe in a small wave contest, you're like, ah, great, he fell. So the score is not going to be so high. I mean, in big wave surfing, you're like, oh my God, gosh, did something happen to him? So it's, it's, it's just a, obviously a different level, but it has been interesting to follow, you know, the development of it. And again, these kind of like, like you said, this beast mode kind of, or uh, just this hyper competitiveness um, does tend to sometimes affirmate itself and, and, and it creates, um, you know, some uncomfortable situations when you think that surfing could uh, really just help people kind of be better examples and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and just, um, is the dog attacking? Uh, yeah, the dog is attacking. So I'm just having to get his attention a little bit. Just, just throw, yeah, throw something up. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you, you've been on both, you, you've, you've done toe contests, and we'll talk about that in a moment, because you were recently in the Nazare toe contest, uh, 
paired up with uh, Grant Twiggy Baker. So I'll come back to that in a second. You've done toe contests, you've done paddle contests, um, all kinds of, you, you've done a lot. I mean, so where, um, where, where, do, where do you sort of fall on, on contest surfing? Um, yeah, um, I mean, it seems to me that it's a bit of a, the, the WSL World Big Wave Tour at the moment seems a bit of a mess. I mean, you've yeah, got a, you've no, got a toe contest, you've got a paddle contest, you, you've got different surfers in, in different events, but not all surfers are in all the events. It seems a mess. Yeah, it's a really complex thing. And I think um, in a certain way, I think it's good that it's in a bit of a mess because it's a sign that it's not being as easily packaged as maybe, you know, the World Surf League itself would like it to be. So there's definitely a demand for uh, events, you know, so there's a demand for this uh, gathering, you know, so you gather the best surfers and, and you throw them out and see what happens, you know, who's the winner of the day kind of thing. And so I think that there's a need for that. And we as um, professional surfers or be it, you know, the organizers or, you know, have to figure out a way because this is something exciting and people really do enjoy it and, and it helps that careers can evolve and all that. Then the issue of the actual format, you know, is it four waves? Is it two waves? You know, all of these questions and issues end up having consequences on how the surfers will behave. So I think the CT was really interesting and in how it evolved to stop the, the, the jockeying as much as possible. So the rules evolved in a way that what we want most is high performance. So let's try to get the guys in a, in a good state of mind and the rules uh, not rewarding, you know, that kind of useless aggression, you know, that just kind of like gets you off your game. And then it's just this really petty kind of performance or very minimal that ends up sometimes winning the day. And so I think that understanding helps to attract a guy like Dane Reynolds. So He's not a natural competitor, but he was there. He was on tour. Uh, you know, Jordy Smith. I mean, we could go on and on. Even John John himself, you know. Uh, you know, and so the ultra competitive guys should have to be afraid of the super talented guys who are kind of more laid back. They don't really care, or it seems they don't care, but they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't get as far as they did. You know, so I think... That's the beauty of competitive surfing. It's, it's just this kind of mixed bag of characters, this mixed bag of people um, that kind of get together. And on any given day, it could be, you know, the hyper-competitive guy. Yeah, he's probably because that's how he, he's probably going to win more. It's true. And then, and you see that. And sometimes he's, he's an asshole. And you're like, gosh, why does this guy, you know, why does the universe reward him? You know, why, why doesn't he just, break his board and go straight, you know, why doesn't the, you know, the nice guy win or whatever. Yeah. And, but that's, you know, but it's just the way it is. And, and, and I think I just go back to the fact that for me personally, because I feel a little bit, sometimes I feel like a little bit like Bambi, you know, like, or ah, the, the guy's so nice. And so, you know, they're all these like mean guys and super aggressive and, and you're just there in the middle of it all. But then my own personal thing is that it's helped me be a better surfer. So if that is important to me, then contests are useful. And so from that moment onwards, I show up, you know, and, and I'm really proud and honored to be invited because it means that all my effort and training 
to become among this group is fantastic. You know, it, it's just one of those things. I almost won the Nazarite challenge, but I didn't, you know, and so I have to deal with that. And then maybe if I didn't do, if I didn't go to meetings, maybe if I had abandoned my surf school or weren't, you know, we could go on and on about uh, stuff like that. But I guess when it's all said and done, I am in favor of events. I'm in favor of contests. But hopefully there'll be a more performance mindset, a more fair play mindset, and that surfing kind of represents that and that it's an example to the world of high performance, of a bit of camaraderie and a bit of like, um, yeah, just competition in the way that it should be. And, and we know that the values of competition are based on it's it's a personal uh, journey and it's a way of pushing yourself yeah yeah and i'm wondering um how different uh, big wave is from from shortboard or small wave competition surfing because you guys always seem to have so much com camaraderie you're looking out for each other's safety etc and then I, I saw some interviews this year about some of the top guys saying when they were at uh, jaws about how some some hassling was creeping in. Now, if we get to a yeah. point, right, where people are hassling at, on 30-foot waves, surely the, 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 the danger element is going to go up because people are going to be taking waves when they shouldn't be taking waves um, just to get in position and et cetera, et cetera. So as I think you just said that, there has to be a point where fair, fair play comes in. Um, is, is no, it a, the is rules it have to evolve. Yeah. Because that's unfortunately uh, the weight for your wave in a competitive environment. If it's not a rule, it, it, it's just that, that they're unfortunately guys will uh, fall back on that. And there's like, Oh, I'm trying harder. So I'm going to hassle the guy or I want it more. And then you just kind of lose a bit of perspective. And unfortunately that's where I think there's a big contradiction because, and we were discussing this because from your perspective as a coach, you were also saying that like sometimes, you know, athletes will be exactly the same. They have, you know, more or less the same biometrics or whatever, but one guy has this confidence and he wants it a little bit more. And then when that mindset or that want it a bit more comes in, sometimes it leads to hassling. Sometimes it leads to, you know, I need to eat more. And that's, a big concern about competitive surfing you know it's a big concern about certainly big wave competitive surfing and i don't know exactly what can be do i know i know the rules you know evolving the rules so that that kind of behavior is not rewarded you know so that it's actually penalized and so then priority rules come in but it seems like we're always chasing um this human aspect that we want to channel a little bit more or, or we just don't want it to be um yeah so petty you know like i think that's that's what it comes down to but it's 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 brain surgery yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly the the big wave um contest uh, format is is changing is developing so quickly isn't it every year i think it's going to be different i mean i said you just uh, surfed in the the first nazare toe event I mean, yeah. how, how did that go? How did, give me some well, feedback on that. It was a huge development because uh, there was priorities. So that was a huge, huge um, deal. I mean, because imagine jockeying and hassling with, you know, a half a ton jet ski, the speeds, you know, all of that. I mean, it would just be, chaos. I mean, if absolute chaos. It would be something that, I mean, something was just 
gonna go wrong. And so thank God they did set up the, the priorities and, um, and, you know, and, and invested in that. And, and so that, for example, was, was a huge uh, development. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was an amazing day. I mean, it, it would have been a perfect day if Alex Botello, you know, uh, he was driven by Ugo. Uh, Ugo, if he hadn't got that really serious injury and, and it was such a huge concern and, you know, he, he's come back and he's really keen to get back in the water. So, I mean, now it, it's all, it's all good, but it was just such a big concern at the end of the day. We were all so ecstatic and to have that was, was super sobering. Um, but it, it was, a, I mean, it was just a great day of surfing and, and, um, it was something that for me, you know, kind of coming more from paddling and, and my reputation was built more around paddling. Um, and I, I believe very strongly about paddling, but I think again, you know, there is a contradiction at the highest level of paddling. If we don't accept safety, if we don't accept jet skis as part of the environment, when we are pushing our limits in, in paddling. And so if jet skis are a part of that environment, then it's just a natural step to see how towing is also part of it. And so, and the excitement that it is to develop, you know, tow boards, you know, I've got this opportunity, you know, with Oryx surfboards. And I think we even, uh, it was something that you wanted to ask me about, but we're kind of jumping into it. And yes. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome because it's such a different beast to work on a tow board compared to working on a paddleboard. But if you're a big wave surfer, that's what you're working on. You're working on different equipment for different situations. But paddling and towing, I feel, you know, I, I hope, you know, I hope Bill Sharp or Gary Linden or they, a manifesto or a World Surf League big wave manifesto should be written. Um, because they're, they're, they're supposed about, to be joined. I'm sorry, guys. talking about Gary Linden, and Dylan Longbottom. They, they, those are some of the guys at Org Surfboards, yeah? Yes. And they're yeah, based absolutely. in Lisbon. Yeah. So they're based in Lisbon. How, how did that all come about? How are they based in Lisbon? And No, well, they just travel here to shape boards for, uh, you know, Portuguese surfers and uh, surfers around Europe, really. So um, Org set up, you know, has the machine, has a cutting-edge factory, and uh, Dylan... Uh, started coming and so Dylan has a lot of experience with toe surfing and and so the models he's been developing have been amazing um, or also hired Lucas Chumbo you know that uh, young up-and-coming amazing oh, yeah. surfer from Brazil just a phenomenal talent and um, and uh, Gary Linden who is also the founder of the big wave world tour but also as we all know a very famous shaper and so it, it was just this natural fit that uh, he, want, he really liked Portugal and the big wave scene here. And, and so um, it was great that, uh, you know, to, to have him shape boards here and, and leave his shaping legacy also was something that the guys at org, uh, you know, were really uh, honored to, to see happen. And, and, and so uh, there's some Brazilian shapers that the guys are looking out for. So they're basically visiting shapers uh, that come and then they can use the facility, use the factory. And, um, and yeah, it just helps rabbit, uh, um, uh, the, the main, uh, Portuguese shaper who is, you know, the owner with, uh, so there's a uh, two guys, two friends and, um, 
so he just is drinking all of that. So he's seeing Dylan shape, he's seeing Gary shape, then, you know, a different guy comes through and then, you know, the Brazilian come. And so he's just drinking all that. And he's been a shaper for like, gosh, 25 years, 30 years. So, I mean, in, in himself, he's the house shaper and, and his shapes are unbelievable too. So it's just a, it's just a great kind of synergy kind of yeah. uh, Portuguese surfing is in a good place at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, sure well, is. Let's, let's, uh, let's, I was going to say, let's dig a little bit deeper into toe versus paddle debate um, because it's been, it's been going on for a long time. Um, toe versus paddle. Where I mean, you, you come from a paddle background, but you also toe. So what are the benefits of toe? What are the benefits of paddle? Yeah, um, that's a great way to start things. I mean, um, towing is safer. So towing, you, you, you don't fall as much. The positioning is way easier. You've got all this power of the jet ski. You've got basically incorporated safety because so if you go towing, your tow partner is automatically your rescue guy. So, um, you know, on a lot of initial paddle days, Mavericks, jet skis weren't allowed. So, I mean, there was no safety. There was absolutely no safety. So towing has the benefit of very increased safety and less risk of falling. The thing is that eventually if you're pushing it a little bit, you're going to eventually fall. You'll be too far behind a section or you'll have to straighten out. And then you're going to be put in a position that if you don't have some background or if you're not used to it, you could get into a lot of trouble very quickly because then underwater, the jet ski is not going to go get you. You're, you're going to have to come to the surface and maybe still get a couple of waves on the head, this and the other. So, I mean, towing really gives you this performance approach. So it's all about, you know, shorter boards and you can do turns and you can come from behind the peak. You've got all this speed that the jet ski gives you. So there's a really kind of exciting um, performance approach and kind of putting you in waves that you would think were unimaginable. So the access, so waves far from shore or, you know, uh, no coastal access and you can go there by sea, you know, so that is, you know, definitely huge uh, benefits for toe surfing. And for the, for the listeners that don't know, a toe surfboard, usually you are, you are strapped in, yeah? You're strapped in. You're strapped in. So I, I'm actually, this is my question. When you, when you wipe out, I'm thinking about snowboarding here. Yeah. How do you release the bindings, the toe strap? Does, is that a risk that it ever gets caught that, around your ankle and you can't release super, it? Yeah, that's a great technical question. In the, I mean, what we've learned over time is that you, you have straps, but a lot of the trial and error has been if those straps are too tight, what you're probably imagining, the broken ankles, busted knees, all of that has happened. And so the learning curve is you don't, you don't tighten them so much. So the straps don't need to be super tight. So basically we're used to surfing without straps on normal waves and we can turn, we do, we move. And so organically you're already kind of used to that. But with a lot of bumps, the strap, if, even if your foot moves a little bit, it just has a buffer that kind of puts the foot back down. But you don't need, you can surf at the highest level and the straps do not need to be super tight. So don't tighten the straps too much, guys. It's not right. good. Okay. And when you wipe out, they just, it automatically it just separates. Naturally, yeah, your foot just naturally gets out of the binding. Okay. Now, you so, don't need 
to uh, yeah, it, it yeah, just. Yeah. I always, yeah, always, always, always thinking about that. You know, um, just linking it to snowboarding. <laughs> so, oh no, it's a nightmare, and a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the feedback they got their busted, got busted, yeah. and yeah. that's the feedback. But the, the benefit thing, of paddling, right? Because I think that was, I was only kind of focusing on one side. Um, and I mean, I think the benefits of paddling, and that's the thing, like, it's it's a purist approach. And, and so I think there's these benefits that have to, um, they're, they're a little bit more subtle. So because it's not just performance, it's not just the biggest waves, but for the sport as a whole, paddling is essential in that it kind of keeps people in check. So I think it would be, it would be a little bit like, uh, you know, how there's kind of like uh, drug testing or something like that. So I think towing with all the power of the jet ski is a little bit of, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, like a performance enhancer, like a steroid or something like that in the sense that it kind of like just distances you a little bit from the reality of, 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 of if you fall. So I think that's one thing that it's just, it, it's the real approach. It's like a giant wave. You've got a surfboard, you've got your body. You, you really are trusting your positioning and you catch a giant wave uh, by paddling into it. So the purity of it, the approach, I think all of that is super beneficial for our, our sport, but then the technical elements of actually paddling in, getting barreled paddling, you know, the, the, the pleasure and the joy that it gives. And so everyone who's towed after catching 20 waves, you don't really remember the 13th wave. You don't remember what you did on your 17th wave, you know, but paddling, you catch one or two waves. So it's just, it's a special thing. So you really get, I mean, this profound sense of gratitude and, and accomplishment by catching a giant wave when you paddle into it. And I think Again, this is not, it's not like, um, like a luxury or something to just do this. So it's not like uh, going to battle with a sword. It's just that the whole process of, of actually learning to paddle surf properly really then also will help your toe surfing in terms of your wave knowledge, in terms of how, because you're just, it's just so much more intimate. You know, the, the way that you position yourself to catch a big wave and the wave mechanics and your understanding of it evolves tremendously if you put time into paddling and so you know obviously in the very short run if you're just paddling you're not giving that much time to towing so things you you might not develop your rescue skills or whatever but uh and vice versa so if if all you're doing is um towing and you're ignoring paddling then you're not seeing a lot of things but as you have a longer career and you know, you're evolving, then you know that you do have time. And the main thing is, and that's, I kind of go back to normal professional surfing that it comes a time. If you're a really good small wave surfer, but you don't know how to get barreled properly, you know, you're only going to go so far in your career because I mean, it's a given that you're supposed to know how to ride the barrel, take off deep, you know, be on the steep part of the wave. So you're going to have to go on a surf trip. You're going to have to, you know, ride different boards. You're going to have to, spend time investing on a skill that even if you're not as good at and maybe in the short run you might lose a little bit of time doing that but then it's going to make you a much more complete surfer and so that's why i think paddling and towing are really complementary in terms of what is required to be a big wave rider yeah they are complementary but do you think you actually need to be 
technically a better surfer to paddle than than tow? Yeah, I mean, I think from the traditional standpoint, for sure, you know, and so sometimes they're like highly specialized tow surfers. And then, you know, a lot of people then see them shortboard or, or, you know, surf smaller waves, and they're a bit disappointed because they've become so, so specialized. And I think that it, that is a bit of a, of a pity. But, you know, sometimes it's just the stance for sometimes even big wave surfers, you know, they're not, they're not about airs. They're not about, I mean, sometimes the Santa Cruz guys, for example, in California, they were kind of, you know, big airs, big drops. And so there's always this kind of like infusion and, and, and kind of overlap. But, um, you know, I think it, it just becomes something that, it's it's important to tap into to improve your wave knowledge too so i think over specialization i i don't really you know go that well with that you know and yes i mean i think you're might be if you come from a windsurfing background or you know you're naturally going to gravitate more towards towing and you're going to enjoy it but it's that's why I was giving this example of the small wave surfer and the guy who doesn't is, isn't used to getting barreled, but it's going to be such a cool thing. Even if he doesn't become like a top barrel rider, um, it's still going to be, uh, you know, a, a really important learning curve and something that obviously if he's skilled, he's going to learn a couple of things quickly and he's going to become an above average paddler, for example, you know, so it just really is about having that humbleness to kind of like buckle down and I think it's every surfer will have unexpected benefits, you know? So I think I'm talking about one aspect, which I feel a lot, which is the wave knowledge, you know, where you are on a wave and different parts of the wave that you can explore. And sometimes with towing, you, you get a little bit addicted to the same lines. You're a bit dependent on how your pilot puts you on a wave. And suddenly when you're paddling, you just become aware of different parts of the wave that you can kind of explore. And, and I think, going back and forth in the short run might seem a little bit counterproductive uh, in terms of specialization, but then it just, it makes you such a more broader, more complete surfer. Yeah. I think, I think modern, the modern big wave surfer has to be able to do both. Doesn't he or she? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, I, I believe that. And thinking about um, um, performance, however you measure performance, you know, it depends, but let me talk about maneuverability. Uh, the way I see it is, on a paddleboard, you you can't do the kind of if you're paddling on a nine-six paddleboard, yeah, you're not you gonna do anything there. You can't do the kind of things that Kyleni is doing on a how long how long is a, a, a tow board? Is it five, five foot? eight? Yes, like five eight. He's rides uh, you know. Yeah, that's so it. That's his go to tow board. I mean, we're normally five elevens, five tens, you know. Right. So you're taking maneuverability to a totally different level if you're yeah. hopping and skipping and doing three sixties and all the other stuff that's being done. I mean, I don't I don't even know how you view that. When you watch Kyleni surfing Nazareth, wow. is spectacular. Is is that are people going, that is next level, that's what we should be doing? Or or are all the old guys on the beach going, well, you shouldn't be doing that on a, on a, you know, but you know what I mean? Is it, where, where's yeah. the line? Is that next level? I think, I mean, he's just a showman. So, I mean, it's just a joy to watch and he just has such a sincere and, and cool approach and he's such a waterman and, and, you know, so, I mean, his credentials are just through the roof, but I mean, there is a certain point that maybe the pirouette or, you know, and just a big gnarly carve, 
is probably a, a, a cooler option. And, and so again, I mean, I think we go back to traditional shortboarding in that, you know, a big carve is always going to be appreciated and it's always going to be respected, you know, a big giant barrel, it's going to be, you know, and it's, and, and that's where the purity of the lines that you pick on a big board are always going to be awe-inspiring. So a guy like Kyleni, you know, he leads by example, and he's one of the best paddlers at Jaws. So he and and he and he gets just as excited, um, you know, or a little bit what I was saying, you know, those paddle waves that he gets barreled on a par- on a paddle wave. I mean, he it's 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 it's, it's he gets ecstatic. Nathan Florence, all these guys, because the difficulty is just so up there, you know, to have that line, the paddles, but it's all a lot of skills that are not as flashy, right? So it's more of like a, a core surfer thing, but then a non-surfer when he understands that that surfer caught that giant wave paddling, it's pretty easy to understand how difficult that is. And, you know, then, then it just becomes uh, easier to understand why, why we do it and, and why the whole industry and, and all the athletes respect it so much, you know, why paddling is so important. Yeah. Well, I got a good question for you is how big can you go paddling? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's the beauty of big way. There's no limits. You know, I really, I, I truly believe that because every time that there is a limit or, or something, you know, there's always uh, someone who comes and, and, uh, and, and pushes that. And, and that's what it's all about, you know? So it used to be, you know, a couple of years ago to make airdrops was impossible, you know, and then, and then things really started changing and on 25 foot waves, um, you know, we're making airdrops. And, and so, and that's the same thing a little bit with the actual size, you know, the right equipment, the right day. I mean, conditions, yeah, I guess that wave, you know, that. is that possible? Gosh, I mean, it's just something that I think um, there. It's just that's just the way we we build ourselves to to really. I mean, obviously there's physical limits if if it's super windy and eighty foot. Obviously a paddleboard is is not is not gonna you know it's not the 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 way to get started or to to do the approach. But there might be special days and and you know if if the guy's feeling right you know if if it's me if it's Twiggy if it's Chumbo and everything might just align and that wave might just come your way and. Uh, and something that was considered impossible suddenly uh, becomes possible. Because I, I see new videos of you and talking to you. You've been trying to paddle Nazare as big as possible, paddle it as opposed to tow it, haven't you? That's one of your, yeah. One yeah, of your yeah. challenges. That, that's been, um, I mean, something that has been uh, fascinating me. And I mean, it, it's taken its toll physically. So, I mean, I, I'm very respectful of, of these limits, you know. So I'm saying I don't think there is but i know there is you know uh, physical limits and and i mean if you're caught inside i mean there, there's a lot of things that can go tremendously wrong um and so but it's just about that approach so i i don't think you know now everything uh, the record i believe is at 66 feet or or something like that and so it, it's just something that that's what records are for they're just an earmark that you're just kind of like yeah. you can see it and the, oh it's impossible to go past that and then boom you're able to or, or you there's a breakthrough and i mean that just helps people you know we go back to this thing of the events it just helps people train make the effort you know and and um 
that's where I believe it, it makes sense. Is, is desire a big part of this? I mean, how many, how many guys or girls actually want to paddle into a 70-foot wave? <laughs> because yeah. it is taking it to a whole different... I mean, there's no, you know, you're not being towed in. It's all under your own body power. It's a big thing, isn't it? The, do you have the desire to paddle into a wave of that size? Yeah, no, that's the number one question. Yeah, I mean, just to expose yourself to to that kind of risk. And and there's a lot of soul searching to even, you know, again, to expose yourself to that and and the potential failure that you don't catch it, that you get caught inside, you know. But I I mean, it, it really is kind of like, you know, a life journey to even consider and ask that question of yourself, do you have or not that, that desire? But again, I think it's, it's just a question that keeps being asked, right? So I think, you know, all athletes, but in all walks of life, you know, people who push themselves are constantly checking in with their desire to push themselves because that's a really great thing because, I mean, without desire, you're not going to perform. You're not really going to go past a certain point, you know, and, and, uh, desire is a critical, critical emotion or, you know, uh, characteristic to, to really do anything at, at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, okay, well, I know you've got to get out of here in about 10 minutes. So let, let's, let's move it on a bit because we, you know, we, we talk about being a pro surfer or a pro big wave surfer, but, um, I mean, can you make not you personally, but can somebody make a living out of being a pro big wave surfer? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, uh, it's not easy, you know, like the prize money is not huge. There's not a lot of contests per year. Um, but I mean, nowadays at a couple, I think it's like, like in all sports, you know, at the very top echelon, there are uh, opportunities and, and you can make a living. I mean, you become rich right away. No, it's not like soccer or tennis. But um, I mean, as an example, you know, Greg Long is a dear friend and, you know, he's really dedicated himself to a big wave surfing and he helped his parents buy a house in San Clemente where, you know, it's very high real estate. So, you know, he was able through being savvy the way that he uh, applied his prize money, you know, and, um, and his uh, sponsor endorsements, he was able to do that. You know, uh, Twiggy obviously also has, you know, good endorsements and, and uh, you know, good pay. And I mean, even uh, I'll admit my case is a little bit different. I don't have like full sponsorships and, and uh, that. But because of what I do, I, it opens up other opportunities for me. So my, my speaking engagements, you know, if I was just you know, it's great to be, you know, and I think surf coaches are kind of like the, the doctors, you know, so, but it's just something that, you know, it, it's allowed me to have a different profile. It's allowed me to have a different story to share. And, and, uh, and so it, it just becomes something that then you make the best of it that you can. And I know it, it, it's tough, obviously, because you don't have as much time and, and all that just to exclusively train, but then you, yeah, it just comes back to that. It's, it's just the way that yeah. you make the most of what well, you have. That's sort of where I was going with this because you've managed to get a, a balance. As, let's, 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 throw it, let's throw it this way. For example, let's say Kyleni is all he ever does every single day of his life is, is surf and be a pro surfer. You've got more of a balance in that you are a big wave pro surfer. You have endorsements and, 
and whatnot, but also you you use the academic side of your life. You do your 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 speaking engagements. You're involved with um, Save the Waves and uh, World Surfing Reserves program. So you've got a nice balance. You've managed to create a nice balance in your life, yeah, which is not all just pro big big yeah. wave pro surfing, yeah. So for example, the the speaking that you do. That that is connected with big wave surfing, isn't it? Because is is it on risk assessment, risk control? Yeah, yeah, it's tremendously connected to big wave surfing, and I mean, it, it's really the essence of of why you know companies are you know uh, hire me to to do that kind of thing, and it, it's exactly that. I mean, we're big wave surfing is is an exciting example of of risk assessment, so it's a very visual example of that. And it's it's been great because you really do feel like you're inspiring um, people to, with the right preparation, with the right attitude, with the right team, to to risk. And and the whole way that we work uh, is, if we're so comfortable or if we're so stagnant in in our ways, and we don't take some risks. Obviously, it's like big wave surfing. We don't want to take stupid risks or risks that are obviously going to fail, but the learning that comes from taking risks and failing and failing being a natural process of evolution is something that people, you know, they don't expect that big wave surfing goes through the same trials that sometimes they do. And so I think it's, it's really great to share that kind of experience and, you know, sometimes in, in companies and, and kind of see that same mindset, you know, that, that, uh, pushes us in, in big wave surfing and seeing how, you know, if, if they're developing, uh, you know, a better product or if they're thinking, how can they still think about, you know, sustainability in their company, you know, all these uh, issues that involve pushing yourself, you know, involve kind of going a little bit, having that desire, right? Like you were saying. And, and so it's been, it's been always super positive because it's a blessing. Big wave surfing is very visual but then I really do think it's human. There are very human characteristics that unite big wave surfing to a lot of other things that, that we all do and that we all push ourselves, you know, again, going back to where we started as being fathers. Right. So, I mean, that is probably, it's not a profession, it's a passion, it's everything, but it's probably one of the most important ones, you know, And, and it's so complex and so uncertain and, and there we go. And, and, and uh, it's, yeah. uh, I, I've, been in, I've been involved with uh, pro rugby as well as a pro professional right. rugby coach. And, um, and it's exactly the same thing. Taking a pro rugby coach into a company or taking yourself into a company, there's so much that they can learn from what you do. Yeah. There's a big crossover. So I think it's really important as well. Yeah. That's so that, awesome. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in general, and, and big wave surfing specifically, they really, yeah, they really do have stuff to share with the broader society so that we don't get too enclosed in our own world. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, if I can finish with a couple of questions that I always ask my guests, a quick, like a, a quick fire round. Um, if you could go back um, and give the 20-year-old Joao advice, what would it be? What would it be? Well, I'll be honest, my master's degree, gosh, but that's, that's just the thing. Uh, you got me in. Um, don't get I'm, married. <laughs> don't get married. No, it was wonderful. I mean, 
Maybe I, I'm just a sucker. Maybe I'm not the best person because I, I really do. I mean, clearly mistakes. I, I, I definitely try not to um, carry them as mistakes and try to transform them into something. So sorry if it sounds a bit cliche, but I really do think it's something very powerful. So some decisions, I mean, I would have, you know, when you were saying I have a balanced uh, lifestyle and so that's great. But sometimes as a surfer, as a pure surfer, I wish I had surfed more. I was like, who needs studying, you know? But then, of course, the, the rational brain or the responsible brain, now I can, I have more to offer to my son and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, so thank God that voice didn't talk too loud in the, in the short run and, uh, and didn't let me. Um, what else? Oh, oh, I got one. I wish I had gone more times to Hawaii in my 20s. Right. Okay. So that's what you tell yourself. Okay. And... Um, my son just finished his homework. Sorry, we'll just say hi to Ian, Zay. Hi. hi there. Hey, what's your name? Zay. Zay. Hey, do you surf? Yes. Are you good? Yes. Whoa, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, when, when I come to Portugal, I want you to teach me, okay? Okay. Super. Okay. You got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, I guess you have to go, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah. Right, but, no uh, worries. Um, so where can people find you? Um, oh, you know, my, my Instagram channel is always a, a good one. Drow de Macedo seven. Yes. Um, no, and what about mine? <laughs> you and your Instagram one. channel. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> don't interrupt now, please. Why not? <laughs> um, and I'll then, tell you what, I'll put all, I'll put all the links in the show notes so people know how to get hold of you. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, the, and the, the surf school uh, URL will be great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll put it all in. And um, yeah, I want to thank you for your time today. I do appreciate it. Um, words of wisdom. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. So keep charging, stay safe, you know, and enjoy your family life as well. Thanks, Ian. Awesome. And hopefully we'll see you guys over on this side from Japan all the way here. That'll be, that'll be a good day. One day I'll be there. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ian. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Where I 
find my special girls I call My blonde on blonde My blonde on blonde Blonde on blonde Sunset falling Horseback riding Mag is calling. Grow up fast. Find a boyfriend. Time will last. And the small one's crazy. Rides the wind. Ain't like. Spend my money while her she says ain't life funny. Blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde, and if I find my away from you I take my mind out to a, another place where I find my special girls I call my blonde on blonde my blonde on blonde blonde on blonde But life is blood, thick as love. Oh, I love my ladies, they're always with me each and every day. Blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde. And if I find myself away from you, I take my mind out to another place where I find my special girls I call my blonde on blonde. My blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde.